What's good with you guys? Thanks for joining me. I'm Johan Francis CSCS. This right here is Ego Killer. It's on this show that I try to cover all the moves that you guys need to be making in the gym so that you can live and move better when you're out doing your thing in life where it really, really matters. EgoKillerShow.com. Thanks for joining me. Looking to get it in, get another day. Looking to do the work that gets us stronger and better. Looking to push past what we think our goals should be in order to achieve something a little bit better. Right? Setting goals. Looking up ahead in the road. Not too far ahead, but just enough so that we can raise the bar for ourselves. Just enough so that we can ask ourselves the question, what's next? And have a viable, feasible answer for that shit. Because what's next is what's going to get you up in the morning and it's going to keep you hungry. It's going to keep you motivated to some degree. However far you've come, ask what's next so that you can reach the next plateau. And even if you think, and this is probably the best part of it, is if you've thought to this degree that you've hit every one of your goals inside the gym professionally, those two are married to each other, and you're still able to ask what's next, Well, I think you got something popping. I think you got a groove. And I think that that's the move that I want all of you guys to be making, not just some, all of us to be making. Because it's there that we're going to be able to question healthily the ego, the ego mind, and the part of us that wants to stay right where we're at. Right? It's being able to hit nothing but home runs and then still want to do more stuff, even if that stuff is adjacent to hitting proverbial home runs, right? Because that's only going to help us. And that's where I want us to all, that's where I want, that's what I want for all of you. So every day that we, that I record, I hope that you guys will pick up a little something that you could apply today to get to that place. And in the process, get past whatever it is that might be holding you back, at least in small order, right? A lot of it has everything to do with being, Super tough. We talked about it before. It's not just iron on iron. Iron needs time to settle, right? The molecules need time to spread out so that the perfect organization, configuration of those iron molecules can lay in a nice rigid pattern, nice rigid matrix so that that weapon is now useful. So it, the, the, the metaphor is iron on iron. Right, but within the metaphor that implies that we're weaponizing something. Well, in order for it to be weaponized, it needs to be in a certain configuration. How does it get there? Through cooling, right? Cooling, through chilling, through settling down. By nature, heat is fast. By nature, I didn't make the rules, right? That's just by nature. So when we're in the gym getting it in, Our molecules, our biological systems, they're moving really, really fast. And this is a good thing. This is a good thing when we need to produce tension. But what about when we're not producing tension? What about the in-between time, as it were, the transitory times? What do we need to be active then? Well, that's why yoga became so damn popular at some point in our modern lives. Right? There's multiple types of yoga. You guys still down with this? This is a phenomenon that is born of ancient cultures that are millennia, millenniums 
years old that we kind of use in today's systems in order to help us live better, breathe better, get by. And there's so many tenets of really quality yoga that are useful for us today. And what I'm going to focus on when we talk about it today is the part of it that has everything to do with powering down and stretching. Well, I'm going to take the old school tenets of yoga and I'm going to apply them today so that we can understand why it is that stretching and powering down is cool. And the quickest pathway to getting that done is doing that that hatha class, that power yoga, that athletic yoga thing, right? There's another type of unspeakable yoga that, you know, that is born of a very um, odious character. We won't mention that type. But there are so many other types of yoga. You guys still with it? This thing has been popular for a while. Are we still active in the gym? What's funny is at one point, I think that people who were really doing yoga were seen as a certain type of person. This was an archetype of someone that only stayed away from gluten, that did a lot of shopping at Whole Foods, not just because they were conscious, overly so maybe, about their health, but because they were hippies, <laughs> maybe West Coasters, right? Maybe they had a whole different alternative lifestyle, but the truth is that stuff is permeated to our regular culture, at least in the mainstream sense right? It's permeated that much. And the question is why? Well, because it has everything to do with powering down the system. Iron on iron works, but we need that. We need, we need all of the movement to kind of settle into a nice pattern where our body can restore and heal. And so at one point where it was like, why would you ever spend your time or waste your time doing yoga as, you know, and look, this isn't a really a long time ago. I think you might get that screw face um, look on someone else's face. You're talking about doing that yoga, right? This isn't a long time ago where it was kind of seen as, uh, I know for me, I started trying to do it because I had extra time in college and I had to pick an elective. And, uh, you know, for me at that point in my life, I was really all about working and going to school, but making both things as easy as humanly possible. And so I was like, yo, let me try out this yoga thing. And it really helped. I learned a lot. And I really began to learn how useful it was to de-stress and to learn to do those things. Over time, I've kind of practiced, dabbled, and got some formal training in Ashtanga, right? And that's just for me and my journey. But again, at one point, it was like, why are you doing yoga? But if you were to ask some of the most badass people around these days, it's pretty clear that it isn't just for this periphery of the population who wants to do something other than just seek out a little bit of eye candy, maybe get inside of a room and tattoo mandalas on their chest. This is more about settling down and allowing that iron to cool. This is really important practice, not necessarily yoga, but the tenets of it, the tenets of being able to chill and restore. And that's what I want to kind of explore. I wonder how many of you, let me know if you can on the website, but I'm curious how much of it for you guys is practice. How much of it are you guys down with to this day? Right? Because again, like I said, so many of the badass people that I've met recently do yoga. I've met practitioners of grappling arts and fighters. And, um, I've seen weightlifters that are strong, Older folks that are really damn near adept at doing that upward dog. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's impressive. 
right? And so it's kind of encompassed all this stuff. So we're going to go over four reasons that slowing down, letting that iron cool, and giving your body a restorative stretching matrix is super-duper important, right? I remember being inside a particular fight gym, and you had – it was like a midday training, and so we were all training, and I think – I had connections to go do some yoga later in the day, and I told one of the fighter ladies there that I was going to go to yoga, and she gave me the screwiest of all the screw faces, like, why? Why are you going? And her response was, are there pretty girls there? And it kind of made me laugh, because at first when she said that, I was like, well, why would she want to know that? But then I got it. She thought that would be the only reason that someone like me would want to go to yoga, <sighs> Right? Now, it doesn't matter whether there's pretty uh, color-coordinate people around, if there's eye candy or not, right? For me, it was all about the restorative process. I was in a lot of hip pain at that point and thought that this was the only means to heal. But the truth is, there's so many other means to heal. Yoga, I think, is just kind of the most easy pathway into that, right? It's the most mainstream pathway, all right? The first thing that we learn is that when you walk into your yoga, when you're trying to let that iron cool down a little bit, you're going to learn the first thing that you got to go a little bit slower. So traditional and even modern yoga teaches us to slow down quite a bit, right? It slow it teaches us to slow down in order for us to remain sensitized to the nature of humans interacting with other humans. And what I mean is this, on a kind of a macro scale, our society, especially in the Bay Area, especially in the South Bay Area, is dominated by expediency. We're all about, a lot of the time, in my humble opinion, after talking to hundreds of you over the years, a lot of it and, and, and also talking with people who have retired from their professions after working for decades in one particular um, field is we've learned over time and it's been accelerated hugely, hugely by technology. Like we've learned to be not only more expedient and quickly, quicker, but we've made that the goal of all of our work processes. Day in and day out, we have to get from point A to point D as fast as humanly possible. That's been the trend that's happened over the years. It's all about speed. And we lose a little bit of interpersonal relationships in favor of convenience and speed. And I think once you walk into any type of dojo, any type of yoga spot, what you're going to learn, even if you can take away from that, is stretching is key. stretching is key and slowing down is how you're going to get the optimal stretch. Biology tells us that, right? You got to slow it down. This runs counter to the way, especially that, like I said, we're moving out here in the South Bay, but in general, the way we're moving. We're moving super duper fast, trying to get from point A to point B. And what we really want to do is find a place where slowing down is actually key. It runs counter to the way that modern society is being structured, I feel like. Maybe you agree. But it definitely is, it feels a little bit of a head change, right? When you pull up, you grab your mat, you got all this like incense, right? 
hanging about when you walk up in the yoga studio, wherever teaching it, even if it's just kind of a stretch room, there are places where you can just decompress. It's definitely like a head change when you're in that space because we're so used to like just flip thumbing our way through stuff on the phone, swiping on our touch screens and doing all the things. That's because uh, endogenously our muscles like to respond to overwhelming pressures when those pressures are not heavy. So pressure that's like, um, it's temporal in nature. It's pressure that is um, not heavy. Having a hard time explaining what type of pressure I mean. I mean pressure that's not like heavyweight. It's the opposite. So stretching pretty much would dictate this, but your body responds to pressures that are lighter, lower in volume, lower in intensity, and longer in duration by easing up, right? So that's the nature of pressure and intrafusal muscle fibers. Those are muscle fibers inside of your muscles that respond to pressures. How do you get pressure on a muscle? Well, you could either throw a lot of weight at it and cause it to overstretch instantly, right? If you're doing your heaviest bench press ever and that bar comes flying down towards your chest and it's really, really heavy, your body's going to respond by trying to get that thing up off you. That's that uh, progressive overload in action. That's one way of stretching. The other way of stretching is if you ask your muscles at a given tension to allow for more movement rather than moving in the opposite direction, more movement. That's the nature of stretching that it's induced by pressure. And that pressure doesn't have to be ultra heavy. I mean, if you let that heavy bench press come crashing down really quickly and your muscles don't respond, all types of bad things are going to happen. All types of bad things. You get the... Um, you got to bounce it off your chest. You better have the home homies right by so that you can get the good spot, whatever it is. Right? So that's what happens when you have the extrafusal muscle doing the stretching is we like to see big muscle movement. But intrafusal stretching or slowing it down, the type of stuff that you learn from doing your Ashtanga yoga or whatever it might be, taking the core tenets of something like that, is all about pressure stretching. So listen, here's how you do it. Pick a muscle group that's bothering you, or maybe even two. And you got it? Okay. After that, what you're going to do is you're going to take a little bit of time. Set aside a good five to ten minutes for only those two. So if you just decided that your shoulders are the thing that needs stretching, you're going to stretch out those rotator cuffs. You're going to get those palms behind your back, chest out and chin up, for example. You're going to spend five minutes on both your shoulders. Maybe even one shoulder. Okay? That's how long it's going to take for those responses by the big muscles and the extrafusal pressures to ease. Stretching takes a while. And those intrafusal stretch uh, muscles, the pressure-based release to allow the muscles to give. It's going to take time. It's going to take time. And so when we come into the studio of yoga, it's actually pretty good for us because it allows us to designate this time to stretch. But you could do that on your own. You could be sitting at your desk. You could be working through stretching with that hand on the palm, palm side out with that hand on your back to stretch those traps or those shoulders. 
right? And doing all your typical PE stretches that you learned to loosen up your hamstrings and doing that every now and again when you're at your desk working really, really hard. If you're a driver, you got to get out the car right quick, stand on the edge of that truck right there and stretch those calves or whatever it is, but you got to spend time. So that's the first thing. Number two, there's a path that your diaphragm follows when you're breathing, right? When you inhale, all that diaphragm work starts to contract. When you inhale, it contracts, right? It contracts, excuse me, no, when you inhale and it's passive, your diaphragm actually is, uh, relaxes, I'm sorry about that, it relaxes and allows your lungs to open up, right? It's breathing from your diaphragm, right? After that, what happens as you exhale, because you inhaled, and that was really kind of, that was an active inhale, active inhale, diaphragm contracts, I mixed it up, exhale passively and your diaphragm relaxes well that forces all the air out your lungs that's called a diaphragmatic breath listen there's different types of breathing this right here is good because it forces you to kind of sit up straight and that's one thing that you'll constantly learn inside of yoga right is that you need to be sitting in a certain type of posture you got to be focusing on a certain point in the room or on your face for example Right. This is the idea. I think they call it of pranayama. This is the idea where you're breathing. Your unjayi, I think, is where you want to be focused so that your breathing becomes rather natural. Right. Some of us are really good at taking short, sharp, purposeful breaths. And some of us are really better at taking those big inhales. Right. Whatever it is that you're naturally better at, that's where you want to spend enough time. But it is all about. Taking what I like to think of is focusing on that, the middle of your body, focus on your diaphragm, which is in the center of your body and let that thing expand and contract. Whenever you kind of get anxious, whenever you have a feeling of stress, whenever you're in too much of a hurry, because I mean, really, that's how all of this is kind of translating to your natural daily life. When we're in a hurry, we're not able to take the time and do our long-term stretching and our breathing becomes labored. Right. And when we're heckin' nervous about something, you were in there, we're about to start the job interview and they got us just outside cooking, waiting for us to open, waiting to open the door so that you walk in. When you're in that space, that's when you need to be working on that diaphragm thing. And that's one thing that you could learn when you're doing your yoga, but you could apply it anywhere you're at. This goes along with number three. Thinking about your box breaths. So if you're going to drop <clears throat> a box or a perfect square it's going to be like, it's going to have exactly the same length of sides. Well, in a box breath, each one of those sides corresponds to a, um, a number of seconds. It could be two seconds, three seconds, or one second. But an inhale is one side of the box. A hold is the other. The exhale and the hold. Repeat. Inhale. And that's a box breath. It could be one, two seconds or... You know, not that many more. Typically, you're going to go for about four seconds. So while you're doing that diaphragmatic breathing, as they call it, one thing that all the yogi people will start to talk to you about is that box breath. And what that does is really gets you to focus on your breath. It starts to be the first thing that you notice when you're holding your stretches. Because if you can do that, biologically, your heart starts to settle into what we call our resting kind of heart rhythm, heart rate. And also, you start to allow all of those parasympathetic 
um, functions inside of your body, you know, the passive thoughts, you know, blood flow, natural breathing, natural body position, all of those things are actually controlled more parasympathetically a lot of the time. And what happens in daily life because we're rushing too much, we have this emphasis on speed, is we start to over manipulate all that stuff. And this is the truth, right? This has nothing to do with yoga necessarily, although it's taught in that. But we start to rush all that stuff, and then it becomes really easy for us to get tighter and tighter, more wound up as we start to go from one place to the next. You're jumping in your car, right? Your body responds by tensing up the shoulders right quick, right? You're, you're on that steering wheel, just white knuckling the steering wheel. I, I can't do that, but that's the term. You have that hard grip, you know, maybe you've, you're someone who lifts a lot of uh, boxes at your daily job, moving a lot of load. Maybe you're somebody who stares at the screen, so you got to sit up a perfect way. And all those muscles jump into action a little bit too fast and a little bit too hard. And you've trained yourself to do that. And what's actually happening is that the biggest muscle tissues and fibers of those muscles, right, are more super hypertonic, hyperactive. Breathing helps to undo all that because it allows the natural parasympathetic process of the muscle to take over. And I'll I'll say this. I've had somebody that advocates for doing like a longer than normal box breath. Shout out to her. This is a great massage therapist. Um we I've had her tell me and she tells everybody that she does work with to take the longer exhale. So instead of that box breath, it's more of a triangle where you're kind of inhaling for three and you exhale for she likes seven, right? She likes seven. I've never really heard anybody else kind of say that that's the move, but it really does work. She wears by it when it comes to athletic people that that exhale has got to be super duper long and the inhale can be a little bit shorter. This stuff has to apply to us on an active level, not just in terms of the yoga studio when we're cooling down the iron, right? The iron's got to cool. The iron cools. The body settles to its natural formation, not the formation of a particular set or discipline, although that can help teach us. What it really needs to be is us taking more of a focus on that natural homeostatic vibration that we're on. Meaning, look, just try to return to normalcy. Return to that space. Um... The slow breathing does one more thing that I think is key, and I talked about this on another one I hope you guys have been practicing, which is waking up feeling like you're going to make super duper moves. How are you going to do that? You're going to think and meditate and slow down. The benefits of meditation, there's so many to list, right? There have been studies on um, it lengthening the parts of your chromosomes that dictate how long you're living, telomeres, right? And the shorter telomeres you have, the worse off you are for your life expectancy. It lengthens those, right? It helps protect the actual genetic information in the chromosomes, helps to settle you down, helps to keep the heart rate really low, allows those processes for your body. Imagine that your body has a, a finite amount of processes that it can complete or finite resources, kind of like your computer, right? If you're running like a heavy, hardcore game on your computer, well, you're not going to be able to do other means. You're not going to be able to edit at the same time with 
great efficiency. Your body not going to be able to clear out all that cholesterol that's floating through your system if you're constantly having to wad up the muscle tissue because you have your 17th Zoom meeting of the day. All right? Or heavy on the exaggeration, but you get what I mean. Your body is capable of so much, so why overload it with certain things that aren't necessary? Go back to the regular vibration. And the breathing helps you do that. It helps you tap into your natural need to meditate. And that meditation, boy, does that go a long way, right? I challenge you guys to even start doing that. Five little minutes a day, four and a half minutes a day. Go onto the app, hit up that app, and you'll see how much improvement it actually does for you in just a small amount of time. Then you start increasing how much time you're focusing on your breath. Allowing the thought process to be the thought process rather than your internal thought process mandating how you see the outside world. All of these things are very, very key. You'll find them a lot when you're talking about your yoga, right? There's this emphasis on doshas and chakras, and you may have heard those words before, but really settle down and do meditate. There's one thing that I can say glowingly about meditation. No matter where you are at in your life, young, old, man, woman, um, you know, if you do tech work or you do construction work or you do labor or if you do engineering, if you're not very athletic and a poor eater or if you're very athletic and you eat vegan, vegetarian, whatever, <laughs> Meditation does great things, I've noticed from you guys, for the people that do it, even in the shortest of orders. There is no cap on that. All right, so that's number three. Number four, and we'll wrap up after this, is add mobility. Right? Inside of yoga, it's a vinyasa where you're moving around. When you're, when you're starting to take the form of all these animals that your yoga practice has you uh, personifying, right? You hit up the rooster pose, you hit up the dog pose, you hit up the cranes, the locusts, the lotus. That's not an animal. <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing is mimicking the free-flowing movement pattern, the free form of these natural or semi-natural structures and biological creatures, right? That's the idea, but the truth is, Get your mobility in. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. At very least, making sure that you're taking walks. You're going on walks so that your spine can do what your spine <laughs> likes to do. Right? It's counter-rotate. Contra-rotate all these great muscles around your frame. Right? At very least, work on that balance. Add mobility. Teach your body to overstretch for a hot little second, to respond proprioceptively, um, meaning you strengthen one side and stretch the other, right? Adding pressure to the system. Teach your body to do that. Add mobility back to the system, all right? Those are the three things that help us kind of cool or chill down the iron when we spend a little bit too much time going iron on iron that we need to learn in general, without having to become a full-blown yogi. <laughs> but this is something important that we all should get attuned to. And I hope you guys practice a little bit of this, right? 
stretch. Take it really slow, number one. Number two, fill up that diaphragm. Also breathing slow in that nice slow inhale, really long exhale. And then add back your mobility. So let me know which method you take on first and try it out. You go to the website, egokillershow.com and fill out the form at the bottom. Let me know. Apple Podcasts is where you go if you want to rate this episode five stars because you liked it. And then you can email me and I'll send you a free gift. I promise. Cool. Thanks for listening. Till the next one. Stay up. 